This is the podcast Love, Blood, Sex, Death. As daughters of Venus, we're on a mission for 2020 and beyond to awaken more love in the world through intimate and educational conversations that shed light on our societal taboos. Those are the things that we all obsess about privately, but don't speak about publicly. Welcome to the show. of Love, Blood, Sex and Death. What are we calling this one? Well, howdy, friend. Um, this episode number three is called Love on the Rocks. Yes, in the Ooh. wake of Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> this is a special tribute to those of you that just didn't make it past Valentine's Day without shipwrecking your relationship. Um, and it is a little also a small tribute to Julie London who uh, penned those song lyrics, Love on the Rocks, later covered by Neil Diamond. So oh, welcome sweet. back, listeners. Welcome back, Kristen. Hey, everyone. Thank you. So in this episode, we're going to discuss what to do when love ends. Now, for many, mm. that's a tub of ice cream, but there are other <laughs> options. Who knew? Um, <laughs> in the ancient world, inst- well, they didn't have ice cream, perhaps, but um, women used to... Um, do an initiation path that helped them to survive a breakup. And the whole point of that was to become whole so they didn't feel incomplete without a partner. So a shameless plug for the Inner Goddess course starting soon. (laughs) Beautiful. If you want to know more about that, head over to my website, themoonwoman.com and um, check out online programs, the Inner Goddess Makeover course. Um, Basically, ladies... A breakup is a catalyst to review our relationship with ourselves because who we attract is a mirror of how we treat ourselves. So instead of banging on and dissing the ex, the challenge is to look at that within ourselves. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Now, you let it slip that um, in preparation for this uh, ep today, you were going to share with us what you did to get through a gut-wrenching heart fucker of a breakup <laughs> as well as the the lesser ones the ones that don't cause you to question your uh, place in existence so would you like to share some of that personal experience with us definitely i love that question questioning my place in existence that was a huge a huge thing that came up with one of my breakups i remember the mother of my partner at the time saying to me Kristen, there's life after beep. <laughs> Insert the oh. name of my of my love. I know it was so she was so sweet. And I was like, yeah, don't can't really see it. Um, we were engaged. I was so in love with this person. I spent like all my days, every day, so happy, like every morning while I was at work, you know, I was even working in hospital and happy. Like it was just the it was just a really beautiful relationship, but we were just All right, I've so. Got to, I've got so, to ask. Yeah. So what the hell what, happened? Why did we... <laughs> yeah, we that's just... a needle across the record player. Yeah. May, may um, I ask? You don't have to answer yeah, that question. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Okay, cool. um, we Me and all the other nosy listeners different. out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what happened? <laughs> why did it yeah. end? I know that's what everyone said afterwards. They're like, but if you two finish, then anyone can. Like we were such a an inspirational couple for people because there was just so much love and happiness and joy. But we were extremely different, and where our values didn't align, mm-hmm. um, it, it wasn't sustainable. Like it, it was okay when we weren't living together. Then it was less okay when we were. Then we became engaged and started like planning our future. And then it was like, oh wow, these. These values are actually really important ones that can't sustain Deal that this relationship can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was it was a hard. Thank you for that. raising that because values are the foundation. Do you know yeah. if you have intrinsic core values that are not aligned? Yeah, yeah. Though you're just not going to be able to walk down the same path. Totally. Oh, bless you. Well, that. I mean, that is a really, it is a heartbreaking it one. Was, it's a mature decision. Loved. I mean, you yeah. saved yourself a lot of money. There's a lot yep. of people, you know, yeah, totally. in the current rates, people are spending, um, what was it I read? Uh, $35,000 on the wedding 
And then mm-hmm. another 35000 on the divorce, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? I have no Think doubt. Think about what you could costed. spend that money on. My oh, God. yeah. So, right. yeah, it pays to ask yeah. those hard questions and to, um, yeah, really – really consider the the sustainability aspect of a relationship yep. by reviewing totally. values beautiful that's and those are like... harder kind of relationships to break up from because it's not because you don't love each other like that's yeah yeah, yeah. we yeah. really loved each other and that's funny that you bring up that about the wedding cost because that was like maybe one of our biggest values is that I'm so like earthy kind of woman where I don't need a big ring and a big wedding and and you know the he loved all that kind of stuff and that's interesting that is the opposite of the caricatured bridezilla where the woman is the princess (laughs) going I want a meringue dress and I want the the pumpkin (laughs) coach you know very opposite (laughs) wow you had a groomzilla who knew (laughs) wow Maybe there are many hippie women in our audience um, who can relate to that. So what did you do, love, to get over it? Are there strategies yeah, that you would yeah. pass on there, to our dear definitely. There were things that I, you know, I discovered along the way and then there were also things from, you know, suggesti- suggestions from wise friends who had already been there. Like, I'd never been heartbroken like that. I was 27 or 28. Um, so a satin and- return breakup. Yes, exactly. Big one. For those of you wondering what the hell I'm talking about, Saturn has a 29-year orbit. So as we come to the end of our 20s, which is the time of exploration, that's when people are most likely to have a baby, get a mortgage, um, you know, get married, make a big commitment or break up. Yeah, Yeah, have the heart heartbroken and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and for the light to shine through. And that was really like what happened for me because another one of our values was that he was very kind of uh, I don't want to say sexually oppressed but quite old school and conservative um, conservative yeah and I just you know and my my passion is sexuality and so I was really having to limit that exploration and um and then from our breakup I just that's the you know thanks for raising that as a deal breaker yeah my god you know, yeah. again, it's a societal myth that women don't want sex. You know, I think it's yeah. uh, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is they haven't had a lot of great sex. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You, you know, yeah. So if you're with yeah. someone that's a um, that's dud root is the words that come that to mind. Root? Unfortunately, nothing more tantric there in the basket. But um, yeah, you know, that's a huge deal breaker. Absolutely yeah. huge. Like. You know, yeah. you want to be well loved. Yeah. Okay, go and on. It was, yeah. And it was like, it was more so like, you know, if I went to the beach topless, it wasn't a thing. If I wanted to go to a tantra event, it wasn't a thing. And it was very, yeah, it was very kind of constricting in that way. Even though I love making was beautiful and precious, it was like, it was very, yeah. So that's that, a flag. He made your life totally. smaller, not larger. Exactly. 100%. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do him. to get over that? Yeah, so I remember, you know, talking to a couple of friends that had already been there and they said to me, um, so one of the big things was consistently asking questions and asking people and getting support from from the from the tribe, you know, from my people that I know get me, that mm-hmm. see me and that have have wisdom. And so, you know, they would I remember one one of my friends saying to me, you know, Kristen, we're born alone without we come into this world alone. When we close our eyes we're alone and when we die we're alone. Like this is a a journey that other people come and they bless along the way but you know it's not like you ever lose or gain anyone it's just and I was like that's a really beautiful point oh um, it is yeah it is you know and the relationship yeah. with self is yeah. the one that you're with 24 7 so we must yeah. invest in that relationship yeah. because totally. it's upon that that the quality yeah of our relating, no matter whether that's with partners, family, friends, work colleagues, children, all hinges on that. So absolutely. And another shameless plug there for the inner goddess makeover because that is what will sort out the Pandora's closet of self uh, rejection. Yeah, beautiful. That's the journey that I did go on with that one because I was so invested with him 
that I was like picking myself apart, which was beautiful because I could see my shadow so clearly, like the things that had gone wrong, but then at the same time see how I'd betrayed myself and let things go, which kind of brings me into my next point of like That's one of mature. the other things. Yeah. And it's like one of the other things that really helped me was to see all of the things that I'd I'd not done that I really loved to do while with this person and to start doing them, which were like things like going to watch the sunrise and the sunset and watching a live band. Like he was very introverted and I, I am too, but he loved kind of being at home. And I was like, I'm such an outdoors person. And it was just setting my soul on fire. Like every sunset and sunrise sunrise that I watched, I was like, oh, this is me. That's right. Like, it's I like reclaiming the parts that yes. you gave up in order to gain acceptance and approval. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's 100%. true that the more whole we become, the less we miss them. Do you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Great. Good. Totally. So that was another really helpful thing um, for me to, to recognize like another thing um, was to, I, I listened to some really good podcasts that kind of like when I'd be like going to bed at night and like really just being like, oh, looking at the bed empty and just so used to him being there or waking up in the morning and then having a podcast, it was like I have that company that would bring me back into reality instead of my mind being like, you know, just focusing so harshly on some things which you know sometimes it was a beautiful process but other times it was like I need to get some sleep like I'm not going to bed like I I remember I was in full fight or flight I was getting maybe four hours a night not eating so it was just so soothing to just be like yeah okay I'm doing my process but at the same time I need a bit of support and okay that's lovely and I would equally say to women that are you know extricating themselves and coming back to themselves after being really enmeshed and merging with a partner um, to be mindful of what they take in, you know. So don't be glutton on, you know, um, rom-coms on romantic comedies and romance films uh, unless it's as a catharsis to get a damn good cleansing cry out. But, yeah, you don't want to keep anchoring you know, yeah. this woe is me, move, move but rather, it. yeah, have personal growth books, yes. podcasts, yes. inspirational exactly. films. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. That was my, my favourite was Matt Kahn. He had a beautiful one called Twin, Fa- Twin Flames and Soulmates or something along those lines, if you just type that in. And it helped me probably more than anything. And every single friend that went through a breakup, breakup since, I'd send them that link. I'd just be like, watch this, maybe get through the first 10 minutes. It might not seem like it's so relevant, but then once you get into it, it was so good, like just oh, really lovely. bringing a light to it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I've also written in my book, Creating Sacred Union Within, I think it's in that book about, there's a whole chapter on twin flames and soulmates and I think it can oh, be beautiful. really dangerous when people are like, he was my twin flame. It's like. Honey, you know, we're, we're here to become whole unto ourselves. And yes, this, totally. this concept of, you know, your twin flame is the only one who can complete you. That is a oh, dangerous yeah. headspace totally. to be in, you know, and it really engenders love addiction, as does yeah. everything on commercial radio while we're at it. So, you yeah, know, totally. listen, listen to some classical music or jazz or something that's, not going to be pumping you with Illuminati pop lyrics of, you yes. know, I'm nothing without you and baby, baby, like I want you back, like this <laughs> yeah. kind of mantra that will just put your self-esteem in the toilet. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, I love that in that um, YouTube video of Matt Kahn is more talking about like the twin flames coming in to be the ones that like light up your world like or like on fire pretty much essentially like the one that will like burn away the things that aren't serving you when you break up <laughs> and that the soulmates can be your cat your mom your partner like it's none of the none of it was right. like uh, obsessed with like that idea of the one the one person right really really cool yeah good I'm happy I to hear it. that yeah because there Me is a too. lot of yes. know, information out there on twin flames that I just ugh, yeah shut up yeah yeah, yeah. Me too. Um, I would like to yes. circle back 
to hear yeah, about the, the lesser breakups because yeah. there is a difference, you know, between the, yeah. the ones that absolutely split you in half and pull your world asunder and the ones yes. that you're like, yeah, in three weeks I can see why that was a good choice. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to journey through the five stages of grief, not literally yeah. right here with the listeners, but um, <laughs> discuss them. Yeah. Now, that's a theory that was developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was a Swiss psychiatrist. You've probably heard of it before. But it was specifically something she identified with people when they were uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness, that they go through these sort of five distinct stages. And not surprisingly, the first stage is shock. (laughs) (laughs) you're merrily going along you think you're in a partnership and then clang the death Mm -hmm. knell moment happens Mm -hmm. and for a lot of women that happens within the relationship when they Mm -hmm. realize there's a moment where I would call it a betrayal and it reveals the degree to which their partner is not there for them can't meet them um doesn't really see and understand them um, or is incapable, doesn't have the tools or is too wounded or immature to have a healthy adult relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. Or alternatively, you know, it could be finding out that they've had an affair or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, or that they, the other party says, that's it, I'm done. And it comes out of the blue. Either way, that... Mm -hmm death knell moment is a shock um, yeah totally. yeah so because you've got all these projections of what the future is going to be like and right. the potential of yeah and it's you know that's a good point you raise about the potential because grief of it is its own animal and it's got to be ridden in its own way every situation is a case by case but we don't just grieve the relationship we grieve the lost potential that was never fulfilled Totally. And there's also all the parts of us that have to grieve, from the little girl to the best friend to mm. the lover, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of we're losing a lot more than just a partner sometimes. They're our cornerstone of support and yeah, our our play friend and it's not and, just the romantic relationship. Absolutely. And you know, the more you move into your life's purpose and calling, it's often somebody that you want to collaborate with and co-create with. So, you know, you can then go through a grief of that lost opportunity as well. I know that's been huge for me. Yeah. So, yeah, these five stages of grief, it's like the one who initiates the lever often goes through these stages within the relationship and if it's not mm. kind of acknowledged, if the other party has got their head in the sand, yeah, you know, like Houston, there's a problem. Your partner's yep. looking pretty miserable, <laughs> or yeah. or the one who's experiencing the shock and the grief doesn't actually open up the conversation and say that just mm. ripped through me, and now I'm doubting whether or not it's healthy to stay in this relationship. Like if you don't have those yeah. hard conversations and risk conflict, then and you end up in And give the other person that. a chance. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, and again, I've written about this in the sacred union books. We leave a relationship mentally, energetically and emotionally before we leave it physically. So it's yeah. recognizing those signs within ourselves, within our partner yeah. So yeah. that, you know, it's not, oh, God, we'd better book a counselling session when it really is the 11th hour, you know. Yeah. Totally. And in Psychology Today, which is just a website I found online, it says, not surprisingly, that it is women in two-thirds of marriages that are the ones to leave and initiate divorce. So... Mm-hmm. You know, to me, what that says is it's more likely that the feminine partner, be that a man or a woman, you know, so not just heterosexual, but homoerotic unions, 
but the the partner who's operating more out of the feminine polarity is probably going to be initiating that because they're more in touch with their feelings. They're not shut yeah. down and they're like, and mm-hmm. you know, they can sense that things aren't working both right. ways. You know, it might not even be that it's not working because yeah. of the partner. It might just be that they can sense, oh, like getting more of an understanding of the dynamic through the experiences. Absolutely, because that's the thing. I mean, every relationship is guaranteed to bring up our core wounds. So it's not yeah. like the happily ever after crap we were sold. Yeah. But it's what do we do with that? Yeah. You know, it's either the end of the honeymoon period and then the whole thing, you know, slides into the abyss and spirals down the toilet or mm-hmm. we roll up our sleeves and we say, okay, it's time to do the work of relationship yeah. and to yeah. grow and heal through what is being triggered. But um, that's where we have no preparation as a society. You know, it's yeah. like we go to school for, what, 12 years and we learn, I don't know, Algebra. stuff about how rocks <laughs> form and shit that you never use. Yeah. But the real stuff, well, unless you're yeah. a geologist, but yeah. the real life skills, it's like, yeah, sorry, no time for that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like conflict resolution, you know. And, this, and like therapy has got such a, a negative association where I, whenever I talk about therapy, whether to do with myself or with a partner, it's like the I, I sense people's reaction like, oh, like it's like it's okay to say that I go to the gym or it's okay to say that right. I go for a swim look after my physical health but my emotional and mental health within myself and within my partnerships it's like there's a stigma that you know oh you need help there's something wrong it's like no like there, there's just so many blind spots that I can't see and my partner can't see within the relationship that having support totally. only helps to bring more love and and joy and understanding I used to do couple sessions and amazing I think having a facilitator you know, just once a month, go and sit yeah. down. Yeah. Um, and the way that I would work with them, we'd do a lot of different processes, but the real grist of the mill was yeah. shadow work. So oh, yeah. looking at what it is that they were yeah. blind to and how yeah. it was impacting the other partner. And people would come, you know, having the classic Cold War, and then they'd leave. And you knew they were going to go and have sex. It was like, oh, as soon as, yeah, we owned the elephant in the room, i.e. the thing that was destroying trust and intimacy, they were hot for each other again. So, you know, this thing about focusing on, you know, sexy clothes and positions and cuddle parties, I'm like, nah, You've got to make it yeah. safe. You've got to totally. do shadow work. So vulnerability, right? Safety, like, and authenticity. You can, I can feel when there's something up between myself and my partner. I'm not going to want to make love. Like, I want to find out what that is, whatever it is. You know, I can feel it before I can even think it. Right. And so if I can feel thing. that in my body, how can how can you know? I'm not going to be able to feel turned on because instead I'm feeling something's not right. Well, in my experience, safety and trust are the ultimate aphrodisiacs. The more held a woman feels, and I'm speaking from my personal experience, the more we open, the more we surrender, the more the ego dissolves and the more orgasmic. And 100%. I feel exactly the same. You know, it's not a case of um, sweeping it under the rug or fucking in order to resolve it that doesn't resolve it you know nope. so Just covers it up let's uh moving from hate sex into anger then let's um look at the second stage hate. of grief <laughs> which is anger yeah and um you know people deal with anger in one of two ways they explode or they implode so um there's not a lot of people that can do assertion can say, yep. I feel frustrated or yep. I'm feeling pissed off. I'm feeling angry or yep. I'm experiencing rage, you know, who can actually name it and take responsibility for it. Um, so, you know, those that explode 
are usually those that are yang dominant, so masculine energy dominant beings, whether they're male or female, and they're the ones that are more likely to act out with rage or spite, so the cutting up of the clothes, throwing them on the curb, putting dog poo in the letterbox, you know, the sort of (laughs) stuff we see acted out in Hollywood films, Um, not the Mr. and Mrs. Smith sort of stuff, but, you know, War of the Roses for those that are of that vintage. That's what I lived out with my parents for five years. What a lot of fun. No wonder I end up doing sacred union work. So, um, but, yeah, but um, that's basically an eye for an eye. It's vigilante justice. And all that does is create bad karma. Yes, I'm a hippie. I am a card-carrying member of that club, friends. It catches up with you, okay? This is a universal law, the law of reciprocity, or if you know it from witchcraft, the law of threefold, as I used to tell my fairies when I did three- and four-year-old fairy parties. If you wish for someone to trip over a chair, you'll trip over three chairs. So, you know, you've got to be careful what you wish upon another. So just this week, I was speaking to the woman that mans the desk at my storage unit and she confessed she was still paying for storage for all the stuff she insisted was hers out of spite when she broke up with her last partner. So, you know, be mindful of the repercussions or you literally will be paying for it. Literally. Right. My experience with anger was, um, it was definitely a really important part of the process. I got really angry with my ex with that big breakup and it helped me to I felt like it helped me to come back to myself and disconnect from him and like be my own person again because I was angry at that person and even though I didn't ever wish him harm or do anything about it like I I do remember having a good scream and it's got to come out yeah or you'll end up with bowel cancer so yeah Totally. You know, I how to deal with health or an angry ang, in a how to deal with anger in a healthy way. I will get to that in just a minute. But first, I want to address for all of us out there, and I put myself in this group, those who do passive aggression, which is oh. disowning your anger yeah. and it turning then like a bad wine into resentment mm. and bitching about your partner. <laughs> <laughs> i.e. bad-mouthing them, gossiping, whether that's yeah. to your kids, to their friends, Facebook, anyone that will listen. But this is acting out in passive-aggressive ways. So this is the extreme yin or feminine response. Um, and in that, I would put imploding with rage at self. So not you know, giving yourself a hard time about the choice you made in that partner. And I know I've done that as well. So that can be, you know, the when you start then doing self-neglect, self-abuse, like binge eating, mm-hmm. going on a bender with substances or sex, it's basically a pity party that doesn't end. So yeah. I did that more as a young woman in my sort of early 20s, but fortunately with age and maturity also comes better self-esteem and self-care. And you learn that when you rebel, you only hurt yourself. So, you know, I'm not one that says go out and have sex on the rebound to get over somebody. To me, that is dangerous behavior. It's putting yourself at risk and it's acting out. Yeah, but and it's using a, somebody else. Right. Which is absolutely. Cool. Yeah, like you're literally just riding them with vengeance, you know. Yeah. So I do feel though that as as a culture we need to acknowledge that an increased libido is a taboo symptom of grief. Now that's not something mm-hmm. we tend to acknowledge because we don't think of a horny sort of widow graveside. <laughs> <laughs> rubbing herself on the you know the um gladioli but basically we it is um a symptom of grief because we can be so desperate to change our state and feel good Mm -hmm. similar to the binging down the tub of you know ben and jerry's ice cream but um then later regret it particularly if we're lactose intolerant if we go out and just fuck someone you can then feel really shitty about yourself. 
you, you know, it's like yeah. like a child that just wants what it wants when it wants it and not thinking about the cause and effect, which is what we need to do more as we move into adulthood. It's like just because it's giving me short-term gratification doesn't mean that it's going to make me feel better about myself long-term. And it's those long-term decisions that really help us to get over someone when we know we've done right by ourselves and we're making self-honoring choices. Oh, yes. I love that. Now, I do want to add one thing about the pity party. (laughs) I remember when Brad and uh, Jennifer Aniston broke up and her therapist had told her she had 24 hours to have a pity party and then she had to get over it. Which is pretty fucking tough, love, particularly given how public that breakup was, poor loves. Oh, yeah, totally. But I did, it gave me sort of pause for thought and I thought, you know what, maybe it is good to set the intention of I'm going to wallow in this and give myself, you know, maybe until full moon or 28 days or you know what I mean give yourself a cycle of time to fully process it and really go into the depths but if we're still you know if that's still our topic of conversation every time we meet up with our friends we're going to drain the life force out of the people that yeah I I don't think that's cool like it's I've had that experience multiple times with one particular friend when she dates somebody she has a really long grieving process Mm -hmm. where it's like I can't even be around her because that's all she talks about I've said the same thing I I I can't hear it anymore like I just don't want to even see her now and it doesn't feel I feel like she's it's almost like emotional abuse to me knowing that she feels shit and that I can't really like just bar her for it. So she's kind of, it's almost like it's manipulative to get energy. Yeah. I mean, it's attention seeking. It's the shadow maiden who projects mother yeah. onto her friends and just wants yeah. them to hold space yeah. so she can project her latest drama. Again, we cover that in the, exactly. in, uh, the inner goddess course, ladies. But the point I yeah. want to make is if you are struggling to get out of your pit of pity, Get professional help so that you don't drain yeah. your friends. You know, yes, we need our network of friends and, and you know, you don't just want to have the I'm fine social mask plastered on when your heart is breaking. So it's appropriate mm-hmm. to say, yeah, I need support. Can you come yeah. and sit with me or, you know, but just be mindful of the impact of your process on your friends. And um, if you're wearing them out with compassion fatigue, seek professional help if to recognize I do need some strategies to move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I I feel like once your friend starts repeating the same thing to you, you've heard them say it more than once, then it's like maybe I'm stuck on a loop yeah and I should get some help yeah yeah so I've made some bullet points here I'd like your feedback on how to deal with anger in a healthy way because let's face it five planets in Scorpio I've had some quite angry (laughs) episodes so the first one I'd say is have a playlist handy of screaming bitch songs that you can just you know, jump around <laughs> to in the lounge room. So Alanis Morissette's yeah. Jagged Little Pill is a good album. Melissa Etheridge uh, from the early 90s. You know, music that you can really just, and I wouldn't do it while driving because you don't want to be putting that kind of aggro yeah. out on the road. But in the privacy yeah. of your own lounge room to jump around and dance and sing, absolutely. Um I love that. Go to your op shop, your thrift shop, and get some cheap, ugly plates that no one else will ever buy. And you might want to get a set of those plastic Valkyrie horns and smash some plates. Um, oh, my God. I love it that you said that. This, this is one of my favorite things to do. You know, I've never done it. I love it so much. And I've always – I've told so many women in readings over the years to do this, particularly with their children, to show – kids that it's okay to have these feelings and we can even have fun with it we can accept these darker 
states, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, but what I personally They can love, become almost orgasmic sometimes. Yeah. I mean, being destructive, and allow my it. ex-husband mm-hmm. did demolition for a while and he just got off on it, you know, because we're so yep, told I we're bet. not allowed to break stuff. So how yep. exhilarating. Oh, my um, God. There's nothing better when enraged for me to just get something that yeah. I don't need and just break it. Well, I had one therapist and she had a pair of boxing gloves and I got to beat the shit out of her. I mean, she had like a, you know, like a foam thing and that yep. was cathartic, you know. So mm. I don't remember what that was called. So beautiful. But anyway, um, not beat the shit out of your therapist, but if you're Googling that already. Um <laughs> I know that there are centres where they've got things where you can go in and hire a baseball bat and they've got things to Brilliant. smash. Yeah. Brilliant. Because, you know, it's got Mainly to come out. Because if it doesn't, well, we'll get to that the next uh, two stages along. But um, what I yeah. personally find great are active meditation practices to move the energy through. So mm. going to open floor, five rhythms, um, any of those dance practices, um, breath work. Oh, fabulous breath work Mm. and active meditation. So I've got some on my website, the Chakra Workout album, but Osho's active meditations are great. But also getting out in a journal what you're angry about and really being honest, letting rip so you don't go venting it on social media. So, you know, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Being mindful again of the impact of our words and actions, and um, totally. Also, sharing your really authentic, authentic feelings and thoughts in a women's circle. If you're in a women's yeah. circle at Red Tent, when they do tend to surface at the dark moon, the new moon, and if you're a bloke listening to this, then get thee to a men's circle, a place that's safe and that holds you to really vent your spleen, your dark side. So that it's not coming out in ways that are unsafe, you know, and you're acknowledging that that. part of you and that it's got a right to a voice, you know. Yeah. I feel like when when sharing it in a circle, you know, you've kind of got that accountability for the next time you're in circle not to be saying the same thing. You've got that whole cycle to journey through and shift and evolve and and you know let it go not saying that well said you have to yeah. but because a good facilitator will call people out if they start to repeat so that the whole circle doesn't end yep. up drained yeah mm-hmm. so um uh and again there's a red tent facilitator course on my website i'm seriously not trying to market Which is in so between good. every sentence but it's all these are the tools that i use so yeah yeah, no, I wouldn't have gotten Amazing. through without my red tent sisters, you know, like just, yeah. yeah, having a safe space to, you know, yeah, vent the spleen. So the third stage of the grieving process is bargaining. So I suspect that even anarchists do this, and that is negotiating with the divine, <laughs> you know, huh. when you're saying, I'll do anything if if only, you know, this can happen and we start trying to offer exchanges to have the pain be taken away. And the modern version of that is basically pulling oracle cards like a junkie lady. <laughs> <laughs> or if you uh, use your tarot deck to spy on your ex, how does he feel about me now? What about now and now? And I'm ashamed to say that is something I have done more than once. Not proud of that confession. So, um, yeah, Uh, alternatively, the bargaining could be with the ex. Yeah. So that is really getting into dangerous waters. Okay. You know, that's when people start to focus on what looked good rather than remembering the reason that they went, no, I had to get out of that, you know. Yeah, totally. It wasn't that bad, I guess. Maybe like I could have just done it this way or if we just did this, it would be better. Like just, yeah, really bargaining. and Which is often a bargaining between the higher and the lower self, you know, which people might recognise more as the angel and the devil on each shoulder, you know. Mm -hmm. But getting into that inner 
sort of uh, back and forth to me is a flag. It's a, it's masking a fear of being alone, a fear of not finding somebody yeah. else yeah. and a, a fear of not surviving the experience should you surrender completely to the darker thoughts and emotions. So, yeah, you know, put the tarot deck down um, <laughs> and, um, you know, what I recommend to get past the stage is – something which is in every spiritual religious tradition ever since time began, and it's called casting the burden. So you basically hand it over to highest will yep. for the good of everybody. Um, mm. And that's just a really good thing to do whenever you find yourself going into bargaining or looking up Oracle cards or, you know, and just keep affirming that the benevolent universe has your back, is looking out for yeah. you, even if you can't see it, um, because bargaining is trying to control the outcome. And all it does is indicate yeah. a lack of trust in the divine plan. And it says the ego is dominant. And for peace to prevail within, the ego must surrender. It is that. It's kind of like the the battle between the head and the heart and the heart knows and the head wants its own way. And then even if it does get its own way, it always turns into a shit show. And eventually you get, you know, it's like, say you do get back with your partner because you want to try and see if you can bargain, bargain away the, the problems and then the problems come back and it's like, it's prolonged the pain anyway. And, it, and sometimes we need to, to do that journey, but. Yeah, but fortunately not knows. over and over. I mean, the first love, first cut is the deepest, as Cat Stevens says. You know, for the younger listeners out there, the first breakup, if you don't top yourself, the next one will be easier and the next one after that easier still, you know. So uh, we do develop resilience, you know, which is, a, again, another wonderful thing about ageing. But for me, what can hijack the grieving is existential grief and that's the greatest grief there is and that's when we get into oh god you know everybody hates me I think I'll go eat worms and we think that the universe is against us and good things only happen to other people and that's when we really spiral into the darkest darkest pit of hell which is a mindset not a place so ultimately what a breakup does is it brings up our absolute core relationship, which is our relationship with existence. And that's what we've projected onto the love interest. You're the one, you are divine, and I'm going to worship you with my devotional heart. And so when that, you know, record gets cracked, <laughs> it leaves us with the existential dilemma of, oh, fuck, you know, what is my relationship with the divine, you know? Yeah. And if we don't sort that out, we just repeat it and we look for another love interest to then project our devotional heart onto, like Olivia Newton-John sang in Greece, hopelessly devoted to you. And then we go into compulsive love addiction and we just do it again and again and again. And each time it debilitates us more than the last time. And that's ultimately a recipe for bitterness and codependency that is not love even though every love song is dressed up as that it's the opposite <laughs> you know and I feel like it's also you know we put we put all that onto that person and they, they disappear right and then so yeah we put we put it onto the next person and then they disappear and it's like oh hang on a second what if I just put that all into me Thank and yeah you know it, it definitely changes a lot but the thing is, people don't know how to do that, you know, whereas in the ancient world, it was an intrinsic part of the ancient religion of love, the Heros Gamos sacred union, that we did learn how to develop all the aspects within ourselves, how to become whole, how to have conscious courtships, how to create sustainable relationships. So it's not our fault that without these initiations, we end up you know, with a divorce rate of nearly 50%, with family breakdown creating trauma and anxiety and depression in both children and adults. Like, 
you know, this is why I'm so passionate about initiation and reclaiming these these ancient rights. So shall we move on to depression? I think we also, yeah, I think we also forget that we feel so good when we're, we're with that person and it's us that it, we are feeling good within ourselves, but we kind of project it onto that person. Yeah, and say it's they're like, the oh, reason. Oh, I feel good. Yeah. They're the reason rather than just it's like, oh, no, I, I am able to feel this way. Yeah, it's about and... responsibility. I mean, living an R-rated life is not about restriction. It's about responsibility being an adult. It's, yeah, mm. I'm creating this experience. Yeah. Yeah. So the fourth stage is either depression or grief. Now, they have a lot of similar symptoms, so intense sadness, obviously, insomnia, which is what you described earlier, yeah. a poor appetite and weight loss. Well, yeah. that's what I read online. For me, depression is more comfort eating, whereas yeah. and putting on weight, whereas grief is when my tummy is too upset to d- digest any food because mm-hmm. I'm still trying to digest emotionally what's happened. Yeah. So, I mean, that'll be different for every person. But the, the real difference is that depression can become persistent and then overshadow our ability to function in every other area of our life. But my experience is that if we can express raw grief, that is what allows completion. And if we are afraid, if we don't have a held space to really let rip with, you know, and grief, it's, you never know when another trigger is going to hit, you know, it might be a milestone, it might be a keepsake, you know, or a gift that they gave you, it might be, you know, that you hear a song that, you know, reminds you of them, Mm. you never know when you're going to experience another trigger, but when that wave of raw emotion comes up, if we can have um, those intense emotional releases, it doesn't get depressed and become depression. You know, I feel a lot of depression is that people don't have a safe space to get that intense emotion out. So um, I personally find emotional release practices great, especially when I'm premenstrual and as the moon is waning, which is when those darker emotional states come up. And if we don't get them out, you know, like the saying, better out than in, that's what results in illness in all levels. So um, I find, again, breath work, also known as rebirthing good, active meditations, and even self-pleasure. I can, when I climax, I will often get a tidal wave of grief out in a way that is safe and private, you know, so you're not having accidental meltdowns in public. (laughs) Yeah. I also love going into the ocean and having a scream underneath the ocean. Oh, that's nice. Or like punching my pillows or if, you know, if it's, if there's anger, but if it's like sadness and I need to, I need to express it. Um, and dance. Or even hopping in the bath with water and like letting tears flow with like some melancholy music like that really helps to, the- I think I told you like putting on the premenstrual music. The day before I bleed and it really gets my juices flowing. Yeah, where are these, um, you know, mixes? You know how they do like summer, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, here's your premenstrual bath. Um, Music for that time of the month. Um, I totally agree. And being in a body of water, being in the bath, it's like being in the Mm -hmm. amniotic sac. You feel held. So even if you don't have a circle of women or a counsellor, you know, um, then – a bath is a great go-to, yeah. great suggestion. Um, and, you know, I really just feel every woman out there for her ongoing mental health and emotional well-being needs to have a dark moon practice such as 13 moons or red tent, both of which you can find more info about on my website, to process anything that we haven't been able to digest from our past because if we don't do that we can't be available emotionally to a new relationship to love you know when people 
when their primary relationship becomes a substance or their cat or dog, it's like because they haven't processed the past. So, um, yeah. And, look, I was watching Netflix the other night and I watched that Goop show that Gwyneth Paltrow's brought out and I've only seen the first episode and it was about using psychedelics in a therapeutic setting. And whilst I've spoken out publicly about, you know, IR and uh, people using plant medicines in the past, this impressed me because it was monitored by psychotherapists and so the dosage, the intention and the setting was monitored, monitored specifically for a therapeutic release, not just this over-the-top mystical experience with no integration, which I find yeah. even more um gives more traumatizing. The, more traumatizing absolutely because the psyche then has something else it's got to process so yeah. um yeah um interesting yeah yeah i'd love to give it a go myself um yeah so then we get to acceptance and this is the heart this is basically we've shifted from you know the bottom three chakras out of the underworld and we're coming to a place of this happened i didn't like it but i can come to terms with it and um start to envisage a new phase of life so um i've made a list of things that i recommend and i'd love to go through them the first one is make a list of what attracted you to that person because we fall for our disowned self. And next, consider how you can strengthen those traits that you were attracted to in them within yourself to become whole. Um, the second thing is get to know the positive and the negative expression of each of the feminine and archetypes that make up our soul. So you don't keep attracting the same type of partner and having the same type of experience. You know, if you're someone that's always wearing the pants and you're attracted to very passive people, then you need to address that inner balance if you want to have a different type of relationship and not just end up bitter and twisted. Um, so, yeah, my book, Creating Sacred Union Within, has basically a map of those archetypes and how to balance your feminine masculine to create more balanced relationships. Um, number three, get informed. Review your choices that led to your wounding in that relationship. So instead of just demonizing and blaming and scapegoating the ex, take responsibility for what moments were their flags and did I overlook them because I wanted to trust them or I wanted to project onto them who I wanted them to be rather than mm. acknowledging who, they, who they were, what they were able to, you know, give me at that time. Um, number four, make a list of what you learned from the relationship so you can feel grateful rather than resentful. And that means you're not hating on yourself for the choices that you made. I love that. Thanks. Number five, make a list of what you will and won't accept moving forwards. And I call this the development of the good king. You know, in the fairy tales, how the king says, if you want my daughter's hand, this is what you must do. We have to develop that archetype within ourselves. And so mm. it's a fertile time for growth, the times that we're single, when we're on our own, particularly after a breakup. And so reviewing what you learnt from that and what you will and won't accept, you know, your deal breakers moving forwards is important, as well as accepting, number six, a template for what a conscious relationship looks like. So my book, Sacred Union and Partnerships, I mapped that out. So, you know, if we've only got our parental role models, and for me, they ended in a very messy divorce, hello, we need a new template. We need a new map to be able to envisage and hold an expectation of, oh, this is how we can do it differently rather than just wishing and hoping. Um, number seven, I'm on a roll, ritual. <laughs> so ritual isn't just jumping around wearing feathers and, you know, sage, burning sage. It's any physical act 
that helps us transition from one life chapter to the next and one identity to the next. So I love that. Right. So create a ritual for yourself. That might be, you know, um, jumping off a bridge is one really great one. Like just, yes. I mean, you see it in the biggest loser and those reality shows, you know, they, and they're powerful. Those acts of power. Um, Now, this one specifically for women, womb clearing. I outline how to do this in my book, Sacred Union and Partnerships. You've got to clear out the sexual energies of your past lover to really reclaim your temple, your vessel. Otherwise, you will continue to yearn and pine for them. So, um, yeah, that one is absolutely key. And I also highly recommend doing a separation ceremony. I've done this with a number of my exes um, where you really honour each other for the lessons learnt and thank them and wish them well and retract your sexual energy from each other, retract any vows that were taken. Um, And as part of that, it's nice to write down with gratitude what you learned. And if you don't have them party to do that ceremony, you can speak to their photo and then maybe burn their photo for a sense of, you know, completion um, or take part in a forgiveness ceremony or do a, um, you know, a forgiveness meditation. Um, I had an experience just before I left Bali where and the listeners that heard the last podcast whoo, probably have picked up a little bit of bitterness in me from a previous partnership and... Um, <laughs> I know, hard to detect, but um, I had this heart chasm <laughs> from my devotional heart being opened in the chant and clear as day, this inner voice said to me, you need to go over there and thank him for being your teacher because my ex was present, which I did. And then I felt a, a real sense of now I'm free to leave the island, you know, um, journaling mm. and the final one, art therapy. So one of the ways that our inner Aphrodite, our, you know, goddess of love heals is through creating acts of beauty that transmute our pain into wisdom. So for me, that was writing a book, 64,000 words in three and a half months to process a relationship. But, you know, that could be a poem, that could be writing an album or a song, that could be painting yourself as a beautiful goddess if your partner didn't see and appreciate you and your womanly body or you know swap Mm. that around if you're a bloke um and um yeah you know often the most beautiful things come out of the most painful lessons so yeah the silver lining on the cloud so have you got any final words you want to add my love no, I think you covered a lot. I mean, what else did I? I think something that was really important with like the small breakups, even the big ones, but the small ones seem to be the ones that we can kind of be a little bit lax with is like giving each other some space. Right. Like really taking taking space from each other and, and not having contact or communication so you can really get a clear view of what's happening and what's going on internally and what you really how you really feel rather than it being influenced by being around that person I love you for saying that because I had a friend of my exes say you know it's a shame you can't be friends and I had to journey those five stages of grief you know and I had to do that in my own way on my own in my own time yeah so I totally agree great point yeah yeah And I'd like to say to everyone out there, please maintain strong friend networks when you're in a relationship because if and Mm -hmm. when that primary relationship ends, you're going to need the support of a network. And if you've neglected your friends and just put all your eggs in one basket, i.e. codependency, love addiction, then it makes it harder to leave a relationship and you're more likely to stay in an unhealthy relationship longer than is wise. Hmm. That's so true. Yeah. Well, that's love on the rocks. So Thank you so much. You know, I just want to say to anyone out there who's journeying that, it's like we all go through it. It's part of the human experience, but there's gold in it. 
So keep mining the gold. Yeah, and you will be abundant in wisdom and love and ready for the next partnership. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us and um, we wish you a beautiful month and we'll join you next dark moon. (laughs) Can't wait. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to journey, but we'll we'll have a chat. We'll surprise you with a to-do. All right. Thanks, Kristen. Always a pleasure. Pleasure. Mm. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Tanishka. All right. Big love. Big love, everybody. Big love to you all. All Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you'd love to uh, catch future episodes, head on over to Spotify and uh, click follow. And if you'd like to find out more about my work, you can head over to the Moon Woman. That's M-O-O-N woman.com. And if you want to find out a bit more about me and the work that I do, you can go to yonilicious.com.au or you can find me on Instagram where I'm more active at yonilicious. Y-O-N-I-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. Beautiful. Have a great day. Bye.